this morning we have something special, not just something, someone special who's going to be coming and sharing with us this morning. I believe, I believe his entire family is here as well. We've got Dr. Brad Butcher, who is here with us. I just want to really quickly give you a background because some of you know Brad. You've been, if you've been around Grace Point for a long time, you, you know Brad. He's been around for a long time. But if you're new to Grace Point, we don't just want to assume that everybody knows who Brad is. So just really quickly, Brad Butcher uh, used to be youth pastor here at Grace Point. So yeah, good. He's, he's been at Grace Point, uh, been in the family for a long time. And about, I mean, I think he'd been on staff about three years, I think I remember you saying, and then just felt like God was calling him to be an evangelist. And so he followed that, he pursued that. Him and his wife ended up starting Passion for People International. And a lot of their mission trips are to India. They go to India. And they actually lived in India for several years. Um, now they're back in the Hillsboro area, but still very much involved in that ministry. And we still support him uh, as a missionary here at Grace Point. And so Dr. Brad's going to be coming up here this morning. I'll invite you to come up here. We had a picture of him and his family, but because of the, yeah, because of the technical difficulty, we don't have that for you. But if you could just maybe explain to us a little bit about your family and um, did we get your mic turned on? That's the only thing I'm not sure about here. But if you could just go ahead, once I get your mic on here, if you could just share a little bit with us about your family. Testing, one, two. Testing. And you'll be good to go. All right. And youth and Thank kids, you, go ahead and exit youth and kids, and we're going we're gonna to go worship together. Okay. So, yeah, uh, I'd love to have my lovely family stand up. I'm very proud of them. And uh, they're an amazing group. Jen, Jen is my wife, and this is Shane I, and she's 16, Amelia's 14, Hudson is 13, and Savannah's 10. So I grew up with a family of five boys and one girl, and the Lord gave me three girls and one boy. So Hudson and I are, you know, slugging it out with a bunch of ladies. But uh, they keep us in line, and it, it's been great. Uh, my wife... Uh, homeschools the kids as well as uh, helps direct a campus for what's called classical conversations. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but it's kind of a Christian-based, um, I would say kind of a co-op of moms and parents who are trying to raise their kids to, uh, to be educated, but to, uh, the theme is to know God and make Him known through their education. Amen? So I'm really proud of her. Um, I get a little emotional thinking about her heart and her mission where she's at, and uh, that we get to do that together. It's pretty awesome. And uh, God has been so faithful. It's been, a, it's been a crazy few years, hasn't it? I mean, just catching up with some of you, I'm like, man, we've all gone through some things. Um, I'm glad to be here. I was in the hospital, of course, six days with COVID, with the pneumonia, and was thinking about uh, meeting Jesus. And, and God said, no, not yet, not face to face. I meet him every day, but uh, not yet. But it got me thinking, and it's part of why I picked the, the passage I picked today, is just realizing life is short and unpredictable. And uh, 
And so uh, we've got to take advantage of every opportunity. Um, I want to give you guys uh, just a little bit of an update. So we, um, as you know, I finished my doctorate in Multnomah, and I've been teaching in the Global Evangelism Program for, I think, about seven years now. Um, so uh, we have six core classes. We have students from, um, I think, eight countries. So some in Africa, India, America. Um, and it's truly a global evangelism course when you have that kind of mix of the body and perspectives and cultures. And, and it's really been fantastic. So I've learned a lot, even though they might call me professor or whatever. Um, I learn a lot from my students. Many of them are just incredibly faithful to Jesus Christ, pouring out their blood for Jesus, if you will, um, in some pretty difficult places. So it's really exciting to be um, kind of in arms with them, coaching them. I'm, I'm sort of a coach now, more than anything. Uh, I find myself coaching people, trying to get people doing what Jesus called us to do um, everywhere I go. I'm still trying to do it, of course, in my personal life. Uh, it was a great honor to be uh, here, actually, at Grace Point, Friday and Saturday. And we got to, uh, as a family, yesterday, be part of just taking some people out, uh, looking for people of peace that might be open to the message of Jesus. And uh, it was fantastic. i got to be honest with you, it was one of my favorite times of going out. What I mean by that is sometimes you go out and, and you, don't, you don't run to as many people that are, that are hungry. And, uh, and it's not, not as fun, you could say, when, uh, when you get turned down a few times. Um, but one thing I've always found, I pray. I say, Jesus, I really want to make sure I'm doing this for you and, and in love with you and by your spirit. And um, just want to glorify you in doing this. Uh, yes, I want people to get saved, but I'm going to leave that part to you because otherwise I'll get discouraged. You ever been discouraged? It's easy to get discouraged. It's a, it's a discouraging world at times. Um, so uh, yesterday was great. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Um, what have we been up to? So I, I do uh, teaching on a regular basis on Zoom. Um, I also have a cohort of people mainly from India, Kenya, and Nepal that I'm on uh, Zoom calls with who are, we call them our master trainers. Passion for People has master trainers, so we're equipping a few in English, and then they're equipping people in different languages. Because me and myself and languages don't really mix that well. I can barely speak English, so. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, um, I think there's a biblical pattern there, right? Second Timothy two two. We uh, we die. We drew illustrations of that yesterday, in our in our class or a day before, and uh, you know these things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, teach the faithful men who will teach others also. There's four generations there. Isn't that interesting? And uh, it's the pattern that we see. We've got to keep teaching people who will teach people. Who, Right? And, and that's how it moves. That's how it goes forward. Um, and we can all be part of it. That's, that's the most fantastic part. That's the whole, uh, you could say, irony and 
um, fairy tale nature of the gospel. It feels like a fairy tale. It's like, what? All of us can be a part of something transforming, world changing? Every single one of us, even though we look at ourselves in the mirror and go, ah, not me. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to keep my neck above the water. We feel that, don't we? And yet, the gospel is very clear. You plus Christ, through the indwelling Holy Spirit, equals a mighty warrior for God, a world changer. And man, if we start, when we start believing this, and some of you have and do, but the more you believe this, then the more you actually say, yes, okay, God, here I am. Send me. Let's do this. And you start taking those little steps of faith. And then the adventure is, is awesome. It's like this, but it's, it's awesome. Right? And uh, so we've been on that adventure with a bunch of people. And this year, um, really, you guys were a huge support to us in, in the COVID times. Grace Point and people from Grace Point. We fed over 100,000 meals to people who were starving in India and Nepal. They were starving because they're daily laborers and they were not allowed to go out and work, which means they don't have any money to go to the market to get their food, fix their meals, and they just go day after day. Uh, one village had gone, I think, four days, and they were locked in by the police, not able to go because COVID outbreak. And they were literally starving. One of our guys, uh, some of you guys helped give us some money by faith. In the middle of the night, like 2 or 3 in the morning, snuck out of his place with a truck. Went to a market where he knew some people. It was closed, but there's always watchmen sleeping there watching the vegetables and the food and the rice and everything. Wakes him up and says, here, I got money. Of course, money speaks, right? And, uh, and bought you know, $1,500 worth of food to feed a whole village, went back to his place, stirred up these huge pots. I mean, the pots they cook in are massive, right? And filled trucks with these pots full of curry and rice and everything. And before the police got up, went out to the village and started feeding the people who were so starving, they were just dying and, and, and probably saved a lot of lives. Isn't that amazing? And then it doesn't stop there because as they are doing this, and lots of our guys out there doing this, risking their lives, some of them gave their lives, by the way. We lost some of our trainees during COVID because they were out helping people and got sick and died. Now, do you think they're sad in heaven? No. Man, if you're going to go out, you might as well go out saving lives, <laughs> right? You might as well go out bringing the gospel to people and demonstrating it to them. Amen? Isn't that how Jesus went out? That's what we call carrying your cross. You ever wonder about that? Whoever wishes to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I always think, what does it mean to take your cross? It represents, I think, this is what I'm learning, someone suffering and giving their own lives for the sake of someone else. Out of love. Out of obedience. Isn't that what Jesus was doing? Laying down my life for someone else. And that's the essence of following Jesus. Is you just say, okay, you were doing that. I'm going to do the same. And I'm going to keep doing it. 
And that's what these guys were doing, and that's why they're heroes for me. And, uh, but the foundation of the church is built on the sacrifices of people like that. Because you know what happens when someone does that for you? You want to do that for others, don't you? Like, you get, you get it at a different level. you like, like, I guess this is what we're supposed to do. Someone did that for me. And of course, ultimately, the more we press into what Jesus did for us, the more real that becomes to us, the more we're willing to do the same. Right? Jesus being that ultimate inspiration of what love is. So uh, you guys helped us feed uh, thousands of people. We helped people get, we, we, we sent money for seven oxygen machines last year when they were without in the hospitals. And these, these oxygen machines went to these outpost medical things they had set up to save lives. And they didn't have oxygen machines. It saved literally lots of lives. Do you guys know about COVID? You needed those oxygen machines to survive. God was at work, and through this, 15,000 plus people got to hear a gospel presentation in the midst of this. We're open to it. We're invited to share this because they wanted to know, why are you guys risking everything and doing all of this, and you're not doing it for money? There's got to be another reason. That's right. The love of Christ compels us, and here's what he's done for us. We're passing it on, and he wants you, and he is for you. And we had over 3,000 recorded decisions that we know of just from the COVID relief. Amen? Amen. And it's still going. Uh, several villages actually came back to our guys after it was over and said, our own people, Hindu, Muslim people, didn't do anything for us. They were all keeping safe. You were the only ones that actually risked things for us. We want to follow your God. Will you start a church here? Isn't that cool? Like, your God is, like, different. He makes you guys love people, you know. That's a pretty awesome deal. And I think that's kind of what the Bible says, right? They will know we are Christians by that self-giving, self-sacrificing love when you're willing to risk it for people. So uh, God's been at work. You guys have been part of it. And uh, we have uh, now, even just every week, I'm getting reports, and I talk to the guys uh, in the past year, we've had over 300 baptisms among our, our teens. Isn't that awesome? And at multiple house churches starting, because uh, we kind of believe in the fact that we want to build people, not buildings. And we try to encourage them, because it's amazing how much quicker you can multiply when you don't need a lot of money, right? And you can just focus on people and helping them do what Jesus said. And anyone can do this. Uh, in fact, in my notes today, I give you a tool that we use with our guys over there that God is using called Discovery Bible Study. You could do it in your small groups. You could do it in your home with your family. Our family does Discovery Bible Studies every week. And, uh, and I'll just give you a little tool if you guys want to use to help people to take and learn God's messages, his teachings, pass it on to someone else, help them learn it. Who are they going to share it with? And they can, and they can share it with someone because it's just a simple pattern to learn it and share it and apply it to your life so hopefully that'll be encouragement to you guys um, it's been a chaotic week but in the midst of all of this chaos uh, we've been doing um, a house church ourselves God convicted me a couple years ago 
hey, you're telling them to do this. How come you're not doing it? Right? Plus, I was seeing in my, in my own house, it's easy. Um, man, wonderful worship and great messages, all the stuff we enjoy. It can be easy to not personalize things as much when you're hearing a lot, but there's not a lot of dialogue to work it out to see how you do it, right? And sometimes that takes a smaller huddle, you could say, and deeper relationships to get there, right? And so we found in our home church pattern that we follow uh, with a goal of disciple-making movements, that's, again, we're all becoming disciples, but then we realize personally that Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them, name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, which would in, in a way say, well, that great commission is one of the things he commanded, right? And of everything, and that means that also needs to be on our own personal list of, hey, this is what I need to be a part of, right? And some go far, like we've done, but everyone can go near, right? We've got people. There's lots of lost people here. We saw that yesterday. It was incredible. Right where you live, people, people that have unmeasurable value to God, that he would give his son for them. And many of them are not aware. They've not been approached. They've not been sought out. And so we're going to see an example of that today. Um, so life is chaotic, but we press on. And uh, we've been training people. One of my uh, guys, Joseph, in Kenya, he's Somalian. And I read this book called The Insanity of God. And it just describes the desperate situation in Somalia. And it breaks your heart. I mean, they kill you if they find out you're a Christian. is is sort of normal, right? Especially if you're a foreigner. It's really hard for people who aren't Somalian to, to go in there and witness. But Somalians are kind of undercover because they look the same and dress the same. And, and they could actually, at the risk of their lives, go and help people. And, and so I met Joseph. He told me this incredible story about being abandoned by his parents to save his life because things were so bad in Somalia. They crossed the border, dropped him off at a Muslim orphanage, basically in Kenya. And the Muslim society raised him, and he was going to be kind of an imam, which is like a Muslim religious leader. And they were training him to do this. But then he walked along the road, and he heard someone preaching the gospel. The only part he heard was the story of the garden when Judas betrayed Jesus and Peter cut off the servant's ear and Jesus reprimanded him and put the ear back on. Remember that story? And, and then he was continued to walk and he's like, man, that's, that Jesus guy, that Jesus imam leader person, whatever he is, because, you know, he figured out he was the, the leader, right? He's weird. Why would he reprimand someone for defending him? Like, in our religion, he'd be rewarded. He'd be like, great job, you know. Why don't you cut off his head, you know. Um, and so he didn't really understand. Why would he tell him not to do that? He was doing the right thing, defending his leader and the truth. He healed the guy. And so um, that stuck with him. And he started trying to visit churches, and they wouldn't let him in because they were afraid he might be a terrorist because he's Somalian, and he's Muslim. And uh, finally, this lady 
at one of the churches that he had been asked not to to stay there for because they didn't they didn't really trust him she said well why don't you come to my house you want to learn about jesus i'll tell you and she just took him in and taught him all about jesus ended up being a mom to him and he ended up deciding to follow christ amen, amen. and now as we've been helping him because that lady died this year um and he's got six seven siblings we've been on that journey saying well man you got a family in jesus and let's walk this through together. And some of you have been praying for Joseph and his family and siblings. It's been awesome. And he told me about two months ago, he said, I feel like God really wants me to reach, Somal reach Somalians and reach Somalia. And I said, really? Well, that's fantastic. I've been praying for Somalia <laughs> and praying for people to go to Somalia because I know I probably can't. And, and I put myself in those Somalian shoes. Won't someone go? Won't someone go and risk their lives? If I was there and I was lost, I would want someone to be willing. Wouldn't you? In that dark place. Love your neighbor as. And so I was just so blessed. I said, Joseph, that's just fantastic. How can we help you? Let's do this. I said, you know, where do you think you can start? I guess there's, 50,000 Somalians in Kenya that we could start with in three different places, and he knew it. And so now we're working on that. Isn't that exciting? And, of course, we got to help him figure out how to support his, kid, his, his kids. I like his kids, his siblings. He's the oldest. And uh, so we're doing that, and I know as we do that, and he wants to work, and he can take weekends and go and do this ministry. And so you can pray for Joseph. And we're training him up, and he's going to see a movement, I believe. Because you know what? People have sacrificed for him and he's seen that and he wants to do that for others. And that's just kind of how this works. It gets passed on. So what are we passing on? What are we passing on to our children, to our grandchildren? Do they see this passion for Jesus Christ that multiplies? I believe that's God's desire and I believe he's at work in many of you and he's He's calling us. He's trying to awaken us because the world is desperately in need. Yesterday we went out and we were just enjoying these people. Uh, I'm so thankful for everyone that went out. It, we ended up talking to 16 people, had conversations with them. And five of them we got to share a testimony about how Jesus changed our life with. Isn't that cool? Amen. And two of them said, yeah, we'd like to get together. And you could share a Jesus story with us. We, we'd be open to having a meal together. In the case of one, Auntie Rice, although her nephew called her Antichrist. <laughs> and it was pretty funny. She was telling us that story. We just met her yesterday. Rick was talking to her son. And uh, she came out to see why the dog was barking. And she just started talking to us. And we just listened, get to know her. And as we did, we said, hey, we're looking for people that have an interest to know Christ. Person, who, you know, Bible calls it a person of peace. Someone that knows there's more to life and wants, wants to know God on a deeper level. And, and we have, we'd love to meet up with people like that and uh, not necessarily preach at them, but discover together what God's saying in his word.
about who he is and maybe have a stronger relationship with him and see God being in their lives. Are you someone like that? And she said, not really, but my sister is. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's always talking about God. I said, I get that. Can I share you, with you my testimony? So I just shared how I used to be just religious and didn't think it was that personal. But then somebody showed me how it was to follow Jesus, someone who loved, someone who gave sacrificially. And they talked about really knowing Jesus versus being religious and challenged me to have a relationship with God, to go talk to God. And I did. And I gave him my life. Amen? That was at Camp Tadmore when I was a teenager. So I shared that with her and I said, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to confuse religion with this relationship God wants with us. And I think he wants more with you. What do you think? She said, okay, let's do it. I'm moving, you know, this and this, you know. All right, Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend, you know, let's, you know, you guys come over, and, you know, and we set it all up. Isn't that cool? And we're going to just get into God's word, and we're going to do the same thing. I have an outline for you here, if you'd like. And let's see what God does. You can pray for Christina, okay? Um, I believe God's at work. In fact, I don't have to tell you that. God says that directly. He said the harvest is... The harvest is, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray. Yeah, we just need more laborers, more workers, people who will labor, people who will work. It is work, by the way. It is, but there's great joy in it when you start. Starting is the hardest part, by the way. Once you get out there and start talking to people, it gets pretty nice, I find. You find people that are right, people that are in need. Three, little, three uh, fifth grade boys were out in the parking lot riding bikes we met. Man, we got to talking with them and hearing their stories and sharing what we call three circles, just a simple gospel presentation. They were telling half of it themselves because they'd come to Grace Point for the harvest party, uh, vacation Bible school, one of them. One of them went back to his house, grabbed the Bible, brought it out to us. He got that here, I guess. And he was showing us. He was all excited. Uh, but then we, we said, well, how can we pray for you guys? It's getting cold, you know, and you guys probably got to get home and stuff, but Jackson says, you can pray for my mom. She doesn't make enough, and everything costs more now. Sound familiar? And, you know, she's the only one that provides for our family. There's no dad. Met the older sister who said she's not a sister. You know, she doesn't know who she is. Um, that was heartbreaking, right? Um, it was just so evident she's lost. But I know someone who knows who she is and can tell her. Isn't that amazing? We know someone who knows your name and your name's on his heart. And he knows his plan for you and his destiny for you. And it's a plan that's good. Amen? Amen? But someone needs to tell her, don't they? Someone needs to get close enough they can tell her. And it might just change her life radically instead of what the world's agenda for her is, which is to destroy her and turn her into something very different than God made her. 
Are you seeing it happen around you? Does it break your heart? You know what? We can't trust government and politics. We wish people would protect the children from all these lies, don't we? But you know what? They're not going to do it because they don't know the truth. But God does. And he can turn people towards the truth. And it's a miracle. So, I want to um, look at this passage that we have today. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 17. This is an example we want to look at. And as is the case on a Sunday morning, we don't have as much time as we want to dig into the scriptures. Am I right? But, what's that? All right. But, but they will speak to us and change us if we let them. But it's going to take some time. As a workman, show yourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen? Amen. But it takes work. Today we're going to just get a taste of it, and hopefully you get digging deeper this week. That's my prayer. So uh, let's just look quickly here. Paul and Silas are traveling through the towns of, they have weird names, right? And And Philippolis. Apollyona, and they came to Thessalonica, and there was a Jewish synagogue, Paul's custom. So we see a mark that he kind of had a pattern, right? Uh, He went to the synagogue service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used scripture to reason with the people. What did he use? Man, he he believes the word of God. Um, That's a mark of a disciple. He explained the prophecies and proved the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, Jesus, I'm telling you, is the Messiah. Some of the Jews listened and were persuaded. Man, when you believe something and it's going to change someone's life, you're willing to try to persuade them, aren't you? Genuinely, not putting that pressure on yourself. My wife reminds me of this. God's got to do the heavy lifting, right? But our hearts are genuine with people. It's like, man, I really want you to to see this. It's so awesome. It's so true, right? Um, it'll change your life. And they were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. Sounds like things were going well until the next verse. Then some Jews were jealous, so they gathered troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, and they're searching for Paul and Silas. It's like they dragged them out. Fortunately, God was with them and kept them safe. Uh, here's what they say, though. They've bring him to the city council and say, Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world. These guys are troublemakers. They shouted, and now they're here to disturb our city. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They went into his home, right? It's part of our person of peace search is that, you know, we go into people's homes. We become close with them. We get to know them, and we share a little life with them as we tell them who Jesus is. Jason, welcome to home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. So they were telling people that Jesus is the king. Is he the king? Is he the one everyone should be bowing to and listening to and obeying and following? So that's part of the message. The people of the city and the council. 
were thrown into turmoil in these reports, and the officials forced Jason and others to give some money, right? Post bond, and they released him. The very night, they sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, man, this might have been kind of shaking them up, but what did they do? Oh, they just keep going. <laughs> They're not shaking. They're doing what God told them to do. They're leaving the rest to God. They arrived there. They went to the synagogue. The people of Berea were more open-minded, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message, and they searched the scriptures. How often? Day after day. That's interesting. Man, they're really into it, aren't they? Uh, to see if what Paul and Silas were teaching was the truth. And as a result, many of them believed, even some of the prominent Greek men and women. Then some of the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word in Berea, and they came and stirred up trouble. And believers acted at once in sending Paul to the coast while they left Silas and Timothy behind. They escorted him all the way to Athens, and they returned to Berea with instructions that they should come and join him as soon as possible. While he was waiting there in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. And he went to the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and spoke daily in the public square to all happen to be there. So he was in the synagogues, but then he spoke where? In the marketplace or the public square? How often? <laughs> Sounds like he's pretty into this. <laughs> it's like, whoa. Our message today is distressed and then determined. Man, he looked around and saw all the idols, all the faults, all the empty that was not going to do anything for anyone. It was leading him astray, and he couldn't take it anymore. Right? Because the love of Christ so compels him. He's like, dude, these people need the truth. They need God, the real God. They're lost. They're distressed. And he took that burden on himself, as Jesus did for us. And he goes day after day to the public square. Whoever happened to be there is like, you need this Jesus. He, and it, what is he talking about? It says he debated some of the Stoic philosophers and the Epicureans and told them about Jesus and their resurrection. And they said, what is this babbler trying to say all these strange ideas? He's picked up. He seems to be preaching some foreign gods, right? So what was he preaching? Jesus and the resurrection. He's kind of crazy about Jesus. And he, and he believes in the resurrection. He believes it's real. And it's true. And it's a reality for everyone who believes in Jesus, that we get resurrected and that there is an afterlife. Little Austin in the parking lot yesterday said, I'm kind of 50-50 on whether there's an afterlife. Actually, on whether there's a God. That's what he told me. I said, man, thanks for being honest. Well, I believe God wants to show you you can be 100%. He really does. But it's going to come through reading the scriptures because this is what guides us to him, right? And, uh, and I challenge them. Um, so they took him to the high council. Come, tell us about this new teaching. You're saying strange things to us. And these guys like to debate all the new ideas, right? So Paul stood in front of them and said, Men of Athens, I, know, I noticed you're very religious in every way. As I walked through, I saw many shrines and an altar inscribed to the unknown God. 
This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. He is the one who made the world and everything. Now, he noticed that they didn't have any, anything to the actual God who made everything. All their idols were to, like the moon, the sun, to one little piece, right? Um, he's seeing there's no, nothing to actually represent the real God. It's true today, isn't it? People believe in everything and anything except for the real God. And so he said, can I tell you about the God who made the world and everything in it? He's Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples. Hands, human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything. He satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations. How many people did he create the nations from? Man, sounds like there's no evolution in that, does it? That's interesting. He just created them. From one man, he made the whole race. It was miraculous. It was instant. Of course, he had to make them adults because babies can't take care of themselves, can they? There'd be no humans if evolution was there. They'd just all die at infancy. But here we go. He made everything. All the nations through the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall. He determined their boundaries. Wow. He put us here. He put you here at this time. Why? His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Although he is not far from any one of us. Wow. God's right here. I tell people that. I say, I think God put us together today because he's, he's actually here and he, he's after you. He wants something with you. Amen? Um, and in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets say, he was in the marketplace every day talking. I'm sure he heard a lot of philosophers talking and heard all these different poems and stuff, right? And he says, we are of the offspring. Since it's true, we shouldn't think God is an idol designed by craftsmen or silver. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere, everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he said a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he's appointed. And he proved to everyone this is the one by raising him from the dead. Wow, sounds pretty bold, right? But it's true. It's really true. And we see in Jesus' instructions to the disciples that he's calling them to go out and declare the kingdom of heaven is near, at hand. It's here. The king is coming back. It, it's, it's coming. A day of judgment is coming. A day when God's going to make every wrong right, when he's going to make this world different. And he wants you, part of that, right? He, he's waiting that, that none should perish, but all should repent and come to the knowledge of the truth, right? He wants everybody in his new kingdom. And he's offering terms of peace. But it's not going to be offered forever, right? The time is near. The time is now to make peace with God and let him take your sins away and make you right. That's the message, right? And he sacrificed a great deal to offer that to you at his own cost because he really loves you, right? And this is the good news. Now, when he said the resurrection of the dead, some laughed. People will laugh today, won't they? It seems kind of crazy. But it's actual and factual, right? And others said, wow, um, we, we believe. And some joined him and became believers. And we see the names of some of those people. So 
Because we're short on time, I want to challenge you to look at my outline. There's verses for you there. Do your own study. Ask God to show you the lifestyle of a disciple. We see that Paul is very passionate. He's going out regularly among the lost because he's distressed and so he's determined. The message of disciple, you can see the verses there talking about Paul's message about Christ. He's just simply talking about Jesus and who he is and what he's done. And then uh, the C there is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. If you want to know, that's just a basic gospel-like picture of the Bible, right? He made us. We fell. We ruined. We brought all this. He sent a redeemer to, to rescue us. And then he's going to restore all things someday. He wants us with him forever, right? Uh, so that's just the gospel in four words. The meaning of belief we hear is people believed and they joined him. And I want you to do a study, if you can, in your small groups, on 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter, two, chapter 1, 2 through 10. And you will see these are the people in Thessalonica that he reached in this, in this time. What did it look like for them to believe? I think you'll find, as John 3.33 says, that whoever believes in him has eternal life. Whatever does not obey the Son does not have life, and the wrath of God rests on him. So in the Bible, believe and obey are, are one and the same. To hear is to obey. It's like my kids. Did you hear me? I'm not actually asking if they heard me necessarily. <laughs> I'm saying, hey, did you do it? right? And it's the same thing in the Bible. And so to believe is to obey. It's to follow. And so he who has ears, let him, let him do it. Let him obey. Let him go for it. And God's spirit will help us. And you'll see in, Thessalon, in, the, in the book of 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2, what it means to believe for those people, what they did, and then how they multiplied that message to others. And that's my challenge to you guys. This is what the world needs today. And if we, uh, if we want, I would challenge you that having your own white-hot faith and relationship daily with Jesus is the key. Because without the Holy Spirit, we can't do this, can we? And so I just want to encourage you guys. There's more I could encourage you with. But really, I ask you to look at the outline, um, to consider doing a Discover Bible study on this passage. And my email is there. I would love to hear from you what you learn as you do that with a few others. And I believe, especially if you get to the third and fourth question, which is, if this is God's word, what is he asking me to do this week? And you will decide something and start a pattern of just taking one simple thing from God on a daily basis and saying, how, Lord, how can I do this? What can I do to obey this, to follow this? God will begin leading you down that road. And then you can teach others to obey also. Amen? Um, let's pray. Oh, Lord. You've told us the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And Lord, you know, I've been praying for workers. Just ordinary people saying, Lord, here am I. Send me, God. I will go. I will tell people. 
Oh, God, are you speaking to some right here this morning who want to be workers in your harvest in a greater way? Lord, are you awakening our hearts to love, to feel the distress of the lost, and to no longer let our fear or our inexperience or our bad experience stop us, Lord? but to push past all that just as you did. Say, I will go, Lord. If God is speaking to you, he's, he's saying you need to be a worker. You need to be more active going out. Would you just wave at me? I'd like to pray for you. That's what God's saying to you. Yeah, okay, awesome. Okay, praise God. Anyone else? Okay, yeah. The Lord's answering our prayers and Jesus' prayers. Lord, I pray for these and all of us. Would you give us that faith? to step out, to begin praying for people, and then to go out and meet them and listen to them and offer them who you are, Jesus, and believe that the harvest is plentiful, Lord, to believe you're already speaking to people. You're just waiting for somebody to introduce them to you, Lord. So, Lord, we just ask, send us out. Even this week, God, will you find us saying yes to you, telling people about you, demonstrating your love to them, and seeing you change lives that will change this world that's in desperate need. And Lord, when you come back, oh God, come soon. May you find us doing what you call us to do and say well done. In Jesus' name.